Welcome to the Start Up to Something podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Matt. This is our weekly update where we share the ups and downs of building and growing our bootstrapped online businesses. And sometimes we ramble on about tech. Hey, Matt. Hey, Mark. What's up, man? Not much. How was your weekend? Yeah, weekend I worked through it. So, <laughs> but I saw that there was this really nice mild day coming up this week. Yeah. So I said, all right, I can I can work through the weekend because I'm going to take those days off. Nice. Yeah, good call. Don't you get burnt out doing that? Like, I feel like I can work like one weekend and then I'm done for like a month. Like, I just can't. Yeah. I mean, when I work on the weekend, it's always very different work. It's always, uh-huh. uh, it's a lot more like strategizing and oh. thinking and, and journaling. Like, it's it's very mm-hmm. different. Okay. But uh, yeah, it's, it. I don't get tired from doing it. Okay. Like I find it actually refreshing. Oh, like wow. I feel like I've I'm less rambling like or jumping from one idea to another. It's more like focused. Like putting my thoughts on paper helps me like think more clearly. Yeah. Okay. That I understand. Yeah. Because I, I couldn't imagine just sitting down and doing more code or sitting down and doing yet more marketing. It's just like I need to z- veg out for a little bit at least. Like yeah. no, absolutely no, no. I, I agree and. And when I do it, it's really because we have nothing planned for the weekend. Okay. Which is pretty much every single weekend in the past year. <laughs> yeah. Since we can't do anything. Mm. So, yeah, like there's nothing planned, like, you know, so. And uh, sometimes my wife works on the weekends. So, it's like if really there's nothing else to do, like then, all right, I'll, I'll, it's like a mini retreat. <laughs> I'm just going to lock myself in my office and. Do some thinking, do some writing, and do some planning. Okay. And it just happened that this this is the end of the month of March. Yeah. So I usually do a review at the end of the month mm. to, to look back. You know, what did I accomplish? What did I want to do? What did I do? Right. And then think, what do I want to get accomplished for the next month? Right. Yeah. But knowing that you know, knowing that I'm going to take some days off during the week. Yeah. You know. It, it makes it okay. Like, yeah. I don't feel exhausted afterwards. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I just ended up doing the drive from Halifax back to Montreal on Saturday. So, quit a little early on Friday afternoon after the week of microconf. And then, you know, prepped, packed, cleaned everything, loaded up the car, and then drove back to Montreal. And, yeah, it's like, it's a full day. Like, it, I think we were on the road for 15 and a half hours or something like that. So wow. you just like, yeah, we woke up at six or uh, 5.30, got, got in the car at like six and then just drove. And by the time we got into Montreal, we just like dropped all of our bags on the floor and just collapsed into bed and woke up the next yeah. day. No kidding. Because you can't even, you can't even do a proper road, st- like a, like a road stop, right? Like no. a pit stop, sorry. You can't like stop at a restaurant and like take an hour off. And- yeah. In Nova Scotia, you can, but like. It takes two hours to leave Nova Scotia, so it's like it's eight a.m. or something. Like you're not ready for a for lunch or anything. So exactly, yeah. but then in New Brunswick you can't stop. Exactly, yeah. They yeah, and, and in Quebec either, I guess. Yeah, it, it's all the same. Like you stop, you get your food, and then they usher you out as quickly as possible, <laughs> so that so you have to eat in your car. So it's yeah, it's just exhausting. It's just exhausting. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, must not be easy. Yeah, but I mean, it's one of those things you kind of just do it and get it over with, like. That's the, if there was a nice place to stop in the middle, then I would do that. 
But with COVID and everything else, it's just like, just do it in a day and get it done. Yeah. So, yeah. So, last week was MicroConf, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, you and I were both there. And it was a lot of fun. I don't know about you, but I had a, I had a good time. Yeah. It was my first MicroConf. Yeah, same. And it, it was it was great. I had a great time. Mm. How many attendants, uh, attendees would you say were there? I mean, when we were all packed in the auditorium for like the main talks, mm. I think I saw like maybe 150 people. Yeah, I think that that was going to be my guess too. Maybe at max like 160 or 170, but 150 I think is. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I figured we could do uh, kind of a roundup of MicroConf for this episode and talk a little bit about the talks and what we picked up and some of the people we met and that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, like starting on the first day, the keynote, for, well, so Rob opened things up, uh, with kind of like an, er, an overview. It, it, so his talk was titled, uh, an overview of early stage SaaS marketing. And he kind of talked a little bit about the bullseye framework and some of the early ways of getting traction. And one of the things that he really highlighted that I didn't really pick up on until probably the end of day two was reiterating that you really need to do things that don't scale and that there's a lot of just, you know, you do it as a one-off because it might generate some traffic, it might generate some income, that sort of thing. Um, and it wasn't until, yeah, day two that I really started to internalize that of just like, yeah, you know, you're going to do a product hunt launch once and then you do it and it's done and maybe it was successful and maybe it wasn't. But there's all sorts of like follow-on effects of the fact that you did it. Maybe you have more backlinks, you have some general awareness, like that sort of thing, some general goodwill. But yeah, so... um MicroConf this year was held over Gather.town, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. I feel like on the podcast before I said I was a little wary of it, of like, I don't know, is this going to be dumb? But I was in there for about 30 seconds and I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. Like, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's the future, the future of conferences. Oh, I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. The I, I think the, the big selling feature is just that you can be in a pod with people and be talking and then decide, oh, I'm kind of bored. I'm going to leave. So you can just leave the kind of area of sound <laughs> area of noise. So you're no longer a part of that conversation and you can just join another pod of people who are talking. And it's all extremely seamless. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it really felt like you were at a conference and yeah. most of the most interesting conversations are in the hallway. Like, yeah, definitely. And... And you get that same feeling. Like you can see people that recognize them. Oh, yeah, I talked to them yesterday. And then you, you go join them and join the conversation. Mm. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. I met a lot of really and, cool people. Yeah. And what was nice is because the whole conference was really about early stage SaaS marketing. Yeah. So it seemed like most people were all at the same level. Yeah. There was very, I ran into very few people who had real MRR or something like that. A couple of people who had sold businesses that were looking to start something new, um, but nobody was in there being like, oh yeah, we're doing five figures a month and I'm trying to, I'm here to figure things out. Just like, okay, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's it. It felt, it felt like, you know, we were all on, on the same boat. Yeah, totally. And, you know, of course, like different, like, you know, there's definitely different levels, but we're all within like one level, one magnitude from each other. Definitely. Definitely. So, um, the way it was kind of structured was every day there would be a kind of like a pre-jam. There were a couple of private spaces with topics. So, people would jump in and, and kind of discuss a few things and then – or discuss the topic of the channel that they're in. And then the 
there would be a keynote in the auditorium and then there's either a there will be a break and with more discussions in certain rooms and then another um and then another talk usually the keynote um so on the first day uh this there these they called them the microconf remote club space houses tm <laughs> Um, one of the topics was, so there was two breakout rooms, one for, is your SAS a vitamin or a painkiller? And there was another one that I don't quite remember, but. It was, why haven't you launched? Why haven't you launched? <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yes. Which one did you go to? I went to the vitamin or a painkiller. Okay. I went to the other. Okay. Anything interesting pop up there? Yeah, it was, it was interesting. Like we all show up and. Like everyone is basically waiting for someone to like to answer the question, why haven't you launched? Because we were all we're all there not having launched yet. And yeah. just so <laughs> I mean, I guess I was technically the only one who had launched. Right. But I was there because I, I didn't consider my launch a a real launch. Like, okay. Right. Like I, I didn't do a product hunt launch yet mm-hmm. or I haven't done a Hapsumo deal. Yeah. Like I haven't done a big launch mm-hmm. i i started in a private beta and then officially it was public beta so i might have announced it in a few places mm-hmm. that's a launch. but it didn't feel it didn't feel like a launch like you know when you hear about the recipe of a launch you know you build right. up build up a list and build up some hype about it and then you launch you know at this date this time yeah so that's what i was there for to, to hear so yeah basically it turned out Nobody had launched, and we were all just scared of doing it. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I I recognize that feeling. I, I I see that. Yeah, and it was a good talk because you know it's just before Derek Reimer's like, keynote speech of you know doing a product hunt launch. Yeah, yeah. I went to the is your SAS a vitamin or a painkiller, and one of the things that so I, I've definitely heard this this phrasing before vitamin versus painkiller and it was interesting because some people would say this might seem like a vitamin but it's really a painkiller for these reasons and it really kind of made me think of yeah you know like the idea knowing whether or not something is a vitamin or a painkiller well is kind of always in the eye of the beholder because it's how well do you know your audience are they searching for this issue right now is there something going on right now that they could use this fix for because like I guess is that the only difference between a vitamin and a painkiller? Urgency? I don't I don't even really know. Yeah. I think so. I think so, right? Because like if let's say you know, let's say it was headache medicine, like and someone was selling some on the streets, like just hey, a really good deal, really good effective headache medicine, like, you know, you you wouldn't pay any attention to them, right? You just walk by and mm-hmm. but if you had a headache, like all of a sudden it would be Yes, yeah. give it to me now. Totally. Yeah, if you're extreme, yeah, because I guess that's that's the funny bit about it is it, it always depends on your need. <laughs> Just yeah, oh, this headache is killing me versus oh, I have a whatever, I have a, I have a headache. right, or it's like yeah, I sometimes get headaches, so I should stock up now. Yeah, that is very different than I have a headache now, like mm-hmm. make it go away. Yeah, when because I was thinking about that with regards to F bars as an example. Because I know that this problem exists, and I know that it causes a lot of pain. The question just becomes, is it urgent enough? Is it an urgent enough pain to be considered a painkiller? 
And my initial research made me believe that it is, but you know, the more people I talk to, you know, is it I'm not getting clear indications of whether or not it's it is a painkiller or or a vitamin. That was one of the things that I really noticed at microconf. I would tell people, you know, someone would ask like, "Oh, what are you working on?" and I would explain the product and people are like, oh, "Okay, cool." And in my head I'm just like, "Yeah, like you probably don't understand what it is I'm trying to do and that that's fine. Like it's not that's not important." But man, when you meet somebody who understands what you're do what you're trying to solve, oh god, that feels good. <laughs> Because they're just yeah. like, oh, I totally know what you're talking about. This is, oh, this is so smart. Like, this is really good. And you're just like, oh, yeah, nice. You actually get this problem. Cool. I think, no, I think you definitely have a painkiller. Like, you're, you're, you're solving a, a pain, right? Yeah. Like, it's, I agree. it's a, it's a task that nobody wants to do, but they have to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, your problem is finding them when they're experiencing the pain or when it's fresh in their mind. Yeah. Yeah. So that was <laughs> the, the talks were fairly short. Um, because I mean, like they were basically breaks between like one talk break, breakout session, and then the, the, um, the keynote for the day. Um, so there was a few people who were kind of talking about what they were doing and that sort of thing. I didn't contribute much to that conversation. I was just really interested. I was interested in hearing what everybody else was kind of working on. Um, cause I mean, I don't know about you, but I was kind of getting overwhelmed. Like I haven't been around this many people in a long time, even though it's virtual <laughs> and yeah, I, I was like, at the end of the day, I was like, man, I'm exhausted. I've only been doing this for a few hours, but geez, I'm tired. <laughs> All these people not wearing masks. Yeah, like, I'm just like compulsively washing my hands. <laughs> so, um, and then was, and then next up was Derek's uh, product hunt launch review and postmortem. So I know that you've been thinking about doing a product hunt launch for some time. How did <laughs> how did Derek's talk affect you? Did it make you want to do a product hunt launch more? I think it's inevitable that I am going to do one. Okay. Like it, the question is, how much effort will I put into it? Mm. Uh, because, I, yeah, like he did, did a great talk um, and he had a huge success <laughs> for it. Mm -hmm. Like, I think he ended up in second place for the day. Yeah, like maybe even for the month. Oh, right. I, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. <laughs> I think you're right. I think he was in definitely second for the day. And I think he was single digits for the month. Like maybe he was number eight or something like that. Okay. But yeah, like, so you talked about how, <clears throat> yeah, he had a huge spike on the day. And then at the end of the week, when they send the weekly newsletter, like they had an even bigger spike then. Yeah. So that's definitely, definitely interesting. But, you know, he, he has a, a horizontal tool. Like, yeah that a lot more people might be interested in. Mm -hmm. My product so far is super niche. Like I don't know how many of my users are actually on Product Hunt. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was looking at his numbers and then I was saying, you know, what if I got like 10% of that? <laughs> right? Like, would it be worth it? Mm -hmm. And yeah, I was like, okay, 10% of that. Like, that, yeah, that'd be interesting. Like, But uh, am I willing to to do all the work that was involved mm. just to get 10%. It's, mm, yeah. I, it feels like I could be doing other things. From his talk, how much time do you feel like he and Corey put in just against the launch itself? Yeah, I think he mentioned like eight hours. Yeah. But but I don't know. Does that include all the, the time writing copy and – yeah, you know, like he he had to make a video to go with with the assets that that you 
that you put with the launch. Okay. So you have to make a video, like, you know, so how long did that take him to make that video? Mm-hmm. I mean, when I make a video, it takes me a whole day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the reason I ask is because he said a few things in the beginning that was very interesting about, like, having position, having product position and that sort of thing, because that's work that you kind of need to do anyway. Like you're going to, you're going to bank that work nonetheless. I don't know how much of his copy was specifically targeted to product. Like maybe he was just doing like a couple find and replace here and there or something. I I don't know. I actually haven't looked at his launch. I I should go and take a look um, at, at his pro, at his post. But I know that he, like if you have a lot of your marketing and like you say, your copy already written, a lot of stuff already generated, I really do wonder if how much work it is to create a, a reasonable launch specifically for a product. Well, like you said, like for the landing page itself, I don't know if you had to do anything different. Yeah. And that and that's stuff that you probably do anyways, so mm-hmm. it's irrelevant. But for the launch, he has to, as a maker, he has to post like the first comment on it, right? Mm-hmm. To like, to say who he is and what problem he's trying to solve and mm-hmm. why, why people should try SavvyCal. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. for me, that would take me a whole a whole day to write that. <laughs> so, like a whole day to make the video, a whole day to write that. Mm-hmm. And then there's the actual launch, like staying up all night, yeah. like commenting, and all of the build-up, you know, like the, the emails that he sent out to his list to like to say that it's coming up, right? All the tweets to say it's coming up or yeah. the DMs. Like, that is a lot of copy. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Maybe he's good at it, or maybe maybe it was all it was all Corey writing it, and it comes naturally to him, so it was it was no problem. But for me, it's it's a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. It, I'm just thinking. I wonder if he has a uh, a document or something like that that kind of represents all of the like written work around the product. So. And maybe it's iterations of certain things or just bits of copy that are really good, but just there no place exists on the site, but you did, you know, you're just saving it for a rainy day or something like that. And maybe he found a way to just repurpose it into a product on launch with some glue, glue text. But I totally agree about the, the video. That would have been something he would have had to have recorded. Cause I know that there's a, or at least at one point there was a walkthrough video on a Savvy Cal landing page somewhere so maybe he already had it reused it or I, I don't know yeah i don't remember where i had heard it is it during this talk or was it on the art of product podcast mm. but i thought he said he made a video just for yeah, just for the launch okay yeah because it was i mean he did very well he did extremely well yeah but even despite doing very well um there was quite a lot of churn in the following month he talked about how much he was churning. And I think he said in his first month, he was churning, churned like 12%. And he would churn a little bit less every month, but at peak, it was 12%, which is like a lot, but he didn't have to pay for the traffic. He just had to post the thing. So it's not the end of the world. It'd be nicer if they stayed, but it's also not the end of the world. Yeah. See that that's it. All those things scare me. Like, I mean, like I said, I think it's inevitable. I will do it just, you know, like, because it's free, free traffic. And, but like, if I put the exact same amount of energy he put into it, and I only get ten percent of the results, mm. like, it, I don't think it. It's not encouraging. Yeah. One thing that he said in his talk that I really liked was well, he, he said two things. One was 
you know, set your expectations at the end of the, at the end of the, his presentation, he said, just like, you know, come into this with very low expectations because there's no way of knowing how you'll do. But the other thing he said that I really liked a nice little quip was, uh, putting gas into the engine of serendipity. And it's just, it really kind of harkened back to, to Rob's mention in the beginning of do things that don't scale. Like, this is just a way to launch to a bunch of people who might not know about your product and maybe they're not a good fit and maybe that's okay because you're you're doing things to do them like there's it, right. th- there are still these uh, these knock-on effects that are good for you there's still backlinks there's still you know maybe you will find one great customer who spends a lot of web you know they're a webflow customer and they spend a lot of time on product time. but yeah no exactly no you're right like I'm I'm just I'm just throwing a ballpark estimate like you know, maybe I could get 10% yeah. of the success he got. I mean, I, I would definitely take it. <laughs> <laughs> like looking at the additional MRR that he got from it. Yeah. It's like, sure, I won't, I wouldn't turn that down. Mm. Actually, an interesting question I never thought of until now is, do you think because his product is so horizontal that it's just easier to churn? Like something like Power Importer, for example, because you're niche and you're solving this very specific problem. I mean, I guess they could just churn. They, they'll decide, okay, well, I'll try it. Oh, I'll churn. Like, because it's so focused, it feels from the outset that they'd be a little less likely to churn because they're only going to activate this if it solves a real problem for them. Like, if I was a Webflow customer, I'm not going to be like, oh, Power Importer, cool. Like, let me just give it a rip and see how it goes. It's like, no, I'm going to try it because it's addressing a specific problem that I have. Yeah, there's a question of timing. Like, they might, they might be a Webflow user mm-hmm. and they have built other things in the past with the alternatives. And so they, they, they see the value right away. They say, yeah, this is a great idea. This is what I need, but I'm not building anything right now. So, so yeah, so they might sign up just to, to see what's inside. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, maybe they'll come back in a few weeks or in a few months. Yeah. With, when they have something that, that they could actually build with Power Importer. Good point. But in but in Derek's case, like I think anybody who was who's using Calendly or another alternative, yeah, um, was a potential customer. Yeah, that's a lot of people. One thing that really surprised me was how much work he put into finding someone to hunt the product for him. Um, he mentioned that he asked. He got in contact with Heaton Shaw uh, through the uh, Tiny Seed alumni or support network, and Heaton Shaw is involved with that. Um, so he had asked Heaton, "Oh, you know, can you post this for me? Can you, can you hunt this for me?" But that's not even that easy <laughs> because you have to give them all of the details and assets and everything that would go into the posting. So he had yeah. to like create like a a portfolio of assets and be like, "Heaton, can you please post this for me?" At 12, a- oh, no, I guess um, you can schedule a hunt. So he could be like, oh, you know, like 12 hours before, can you schedule this to pop up at like 12.01 on Wednesday or, yeah. or whatever? Yeah, just tons of hoop jumping and stuff like that. So someone should offer a product hunt launch as a service. Well, I think they do. Um, is that what ship is? Like product hunt ship? No, that's uh, that's like a, a landing page for, for you to like pick up beta testers okay it's for you to easily put up a landing page that says you know launching soon okay. and sign up for sign up to be notified when when it's available okay 
Yeah, I don't know if they actually do the launch for you. Yeah, because I agree. Like a one-click product hunt asset generator or whatever. Right. Would be Or yeah, give me this copy. We'll, we'll formulate everything so it looks all pretty. That would be awesome. <laughs> That'd be very helpful. I don't know. Did you have any other takeaways from, from his talk? Nope. That was it. Yeah, I uh, I think I liked. I, I was this was a great start. I, I was about to say, oh, I think it was my favorite, and then I remember day three, and day three, the keynote on day three was amazing. I can't wait to talk about it. But yeah, so it was it was definitely a great talk, very well put together, and really really illustrative of what it you know what's going to go into one of these launches, what's involved, and you know what a potential outcome looks like. But you know your mileage may vary. Yeah. So day two was uh, all about AppSumo. So there was a pre-recorded talk between Rob and Ruben Gomez from Big uh, BidSketch. And they Ruben talked about um, what his deal on AppSumo looked like and what a good AppSumo structure, like deal structure looks like. Because it's interesting. I don't know much about AppSumo, so I've, I learned a fair amount here. But the idea is users come in and they buy, they pay for your product once, or they buy your deal one time, and it gives them lifetime access to your product for a one-time fee. And there are certain product types that work well with this and other ones that don't. A good example would be sending email or well, I sending email, like any kind of product for which an operation, a, a client doing an operation will cost the operator money. So sending an email, for example, you know, it has a very small cost maybe to send one email, but if they're getting lifetime access to your product for some nominal amount, at some point they're gonna they're gonna cost you money. Um, or the other thing they talk about is support. You're paying they're paying you a one time fee, and they log a lot of support requests, or they just need a lot of handholding, but they'll never pay you again unless they upgrade. Um, so I, I looked at this and was trying to think of, you know, ideas and things that I've had in the past, because this just doesn't make sense for something like FBARS. I, no. it, I, I would have to sell yearly access of like, oh, you get FBARS for this, for the 2020 tax year for this amount. But I don't even think that's something that AppSumo would even agree to. They, they would say, no, that this doesn't make sense. Yeah. Not only does it have to be lifetime, but I think it has to be discounted also. Yes. So Ruben talked about bid sketch. Was it Doc Sketch? I think it was Doc Sketch. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was the signing one. Yeah. So Doc Sketch, and his rationale there was that there was a viral component to his product, so that any time a user would buy lifetime access, they would, whenever they sent a document to be signed to somebody, that somebody would immediately see, oh, this is a Doc Sketch document, or this is a Doc Sketch product, that sort of thing. So. I believe he did a little bit of work to create like a something above the free tier, but below the entry level tier um, to give lifetime access. But he felt good about the fact that, you know, like there's going to be some amount of support when they first come in, but that'll trickle down over time because they are just getting a, a slice of the product or whatever. And with the he was he especially liked the viral component, and he had mentioned that he made a he made a good amount of money. I think he made. $40,000 or something. And it was interesting to hear him talk about the refunds as well, because there was some some small amount of refunds on top of it. Oh, I think it was a big amount. <laughs> was it? Yeah. I thought, I thought that was the one that was like 12% refund. Or... Oh, whoa. 
I don't quite remember. But anyway, I, I it was big enough that it came up as a topic in their in yeah. their conversation. Because I think if I remember, he said it was it was a little more than the average. Mm. Than what he had heard was the average refund. Right. Yeah, because he he mentioned that a lot of it was someone makes the purchase, they and they use that as their launching off point into the product. So it's like, oh, sure, I could use document signing software. And then they buy it and then they explore it and think, oh, this isn't really what I want. And then they go for a refund. Right. Because I think they have 60 days to ask for a refund. Okay. I think that's like an AppSumo thing. Okay. That makes sense. Um, so yeah, I, I was kind of looking at this for myself and thinking it doesn't really fit with me. But I don't know, maybe for a product I think of in the future, maybe it will. But it seems like there's quite a number of hoops to jump through as well because you have to work with their their developer, um, their business development people, and that sort of thing to make sure that your deal gets into the pipeline and then out to the AppSumo members. And they also take a big cut as well. They take a cut of your sales and that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, I had, I had been told by other people because I was talking to marketers the past month, mm-hmm. and a few of them had recommended an AppSumo deal. And I, I sort of knew what AppSumo was, but I didn't know. And I'm not a user of it. And so I was looking forward to this talk. Like, okay, this will be a, a good opportunity to find out an, an, a concrete example. Yeah. And actually for me, AppSumo ma- makes more sense than Product Hunt. Mm. Like effort-wise, if I'm going to put all this effort into, you know, preparing all these assets, writing copy, and the AppSumo one seemed like a better deal because in my case – Right now, I sell a yearly plan. I could maybe offer it at a discount. Well, I don't even know. Like, you know, like if, you know, if I sell a yearly plan at 300, like, would I be able to do a lifetime at 450? Like, I don't know. I don't know exactly how it works, but in my case, I think it makes sense because a lot, a lot of these no code projects have a short lifespan anyways, right? Like someone might, might see, oh, this is a great deal. And then they built a no code to a no code product, but like, you know, like so many startups, like maybe 90% of them fail. So, so like, I don't think my, my support, my long term support would not be high. Yeah. That's good. Cause yeah, cause I have, I have server costs for someone that's running, you know, running the sync every, every hour 24 mm-hmm. seven. But, you know, if, if it's not, if the product, if they're not going to be a customer for, for more than a year, then it would it would be easy. Yeah, that's a good point. Or even if it was, I mean, you could do feature gating, I suppose, like maybe like one site and only the Airflow integration or only the CSV integration. Right. Yeah, the CSV one would be better because it's not something they can set up to run every hour. Yeah. Like they have to manually prepare the CSV file and then upload it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I could maybe offer a lifetime lifetime membership for that for one webflow site because then if you know for every 10 customers potentially that i that i get like after a year like maybe 90 percent of them will no longer be a customer Hmm. i don't know that's the problem is right now in my in my business it's still too early like i've only been really public live since november so my churn is extremely low. So I don't, I don't really know what my real churn yeah. is going to be, like after a year. Yeah, it, it's when renewals come that you'll, you'll really start to get a better idea. Yeah, well, actually, most of my customers are paying monthly. 
Oh, great. Yeah, there's there's very few that pick the the yearly plan. Okay. Maybe because they know like these are side projects and <laughs> they won't they most likely we're not going to be around in a year. Like a year seems too far in the future to yeah. plan that far ahead. Yeah. And especially if they're doing lots of small bets, like they're working on five no code projects. Sure. Like uh you know, they're going to pay a year upfront for all five. So, but but churn is just so low right now because they're just starting. Like, yeah, they're building it, and once they built it, then they're like trying to grow it. So, yeah, it's only once they pull the plug that they'll they'll cancel. Yeah, one thing that this presentation made me think about is that I should probably become an AppSumo member. I think there's probably some good deals on there that I'm missing out on. <laughs> Yeah, because I would have, I would have definitely pulled the trigger on a lifetime of bid sketch or doc sketch. Like I, just from the pain I've had of sending contracts around for my consulting business, like that in and of itself. Like I, it was funny. I was sending Word docs and PDFs around, and I was like, man, this is a real pain. Yes. And then somebody sent me back a, a DocuSign, and I remembered. Oh right, this is a problem you can pay to solve. Yeah. And look like official and good, not like, yeah. It's like I could have paid Doc Sketch like 20 bucks or something and just like looked totally normal. So after that recording, there were more breakout spaces. Uh, your most success, one was your most successful marketing campaign. And then the other one was like a demo, give a demo of your product. Uh, which one did you attend? I went to your most successful marketing campaign. Yeah. I thought you were there. Yeah. I was there too. Yeah. <laughs> It was a bit the same same thing as the day before. Like everyone was there to to hear someone's successful campaign. Yeah. <laughs> like give me some ideas because nobody nobody had any. Yeah, yeah. Everybody was very interested in hearing some, but yeah, there wasn't many. Uh, wasn't many to go around. Nope. So yeah. So instead, people were just sharing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Like basically, I get maybe it's the word campaign that that scared people off. Like mm-hmm. no one was really. Considering what they're doing at a marketing campaign, it's more like no, I uh, I post in the forums, yeah, <laughs> or or I create YouTube videos, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it makes it sound more like mastermind kind of like oh, this is my broad, this is my strategy. It's like I sent some emails, man. Like <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, that's it. I guess it's the difference between just being a. A micropreneur and like an actual marketing professional. Mm. Like when you're a marketing professional, everything's a campaign. Yeah. And you know, you, you measure the whole thing from, from the top of the funnel all the way to the bottom of the funnel. Yeah. Um, and then the following presentation was the fill your lobby with partners that can refer your SaaS. This one was interesting, but it was a very like, it was a very rich food. To digest, I feel like. Um, so basically, so the guy who spoke, uh, Leonardo Baranados, um, he, he ran a company that was doing a lot of, was it translation? Like legal, it was like legal work in, in Argentina. And he was partnering with, so it's, you know, he, he's got this legal, he, he's got this, these operations that can do all this legal work. And he's trying to figure out, you know, how can I, how can I build partnerships? So it started with him partnering with an accelerator or a business incubator and helping 
And that was an ideal partnership for the incubator because they didn't have uh, – they knew that there was going to need to be some kind of legal expertise or something that they didn't have. So, they just wanted to be able to refer people to a place that they knew – to some to a group that they knew and trusted and that kind of thing. So, from that, he really started to discuss, okay, well, you know, how do you build a partnership pipeline? And what goes into forming partnerships and where can you look for – you know, what what's the definition of a good partnership? And – it's interesting, but it's it's a hard thing to talk about, I think. At least for me, it was. I think about trying to form partnerships with people and the idea of, I don't know, I, I'm very much like, I have a product, will you buy my product? Less so like, oh, well, I can refer you to this person and we can have a deal. I, I, I don't know. I, I found this one pretty difficult to, I mean, his examples were good of how to form partnerships, but maybe it's just because the way his business was structured or what he did lent itself so well to partnerships that that it, it makes it difficult for me to relate to the what to what he was talking about yeah i i had high hopes for that talk because i was i've i'm looking for partnerships like mm-hmm. you know i'm looking for a way for finding a partners that can do the marketing for me and then i can concentrate on product mm-hmm. um but yeah i must admit that i didn't find the talk helpful yeah yeah and even yeah i think i started working (laughs) while while listening to it like i i lost the lost lost interest in it and just went back to work yeah i i definitely struggled with it just a lot of what he said just wasn't applicable it just wasn't actionable on my part yeah well i think that's it like he was showing a concrete example of what he did with his business but it was really hard for me to find abstraction out of it mm-hmm. like, like i didn't see like how can i do s- something similar so yeah i think maybe yeah i think maybe if my business was just different <laughs> maybe it would be maybe there'd be something i'd be able to take away from it but or maybe i just don't have the experience it just yeah P- partnerships i find very strange like right. client cl- like client service i get it but this is less so than that i don't know well i mean like like for f bars you know you were thinking of partnering up with accountants right well, that okay, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, because ultimately, I always saw accountants as uh, clients because I wanted to white label F bars to them. But as soon as you start thinking about it as a referral program instead, that's more of a partnership. Uh, okay, right. That's a good point. Yeah, so that was tough. I found that. I found that. Yeah, same here. And then day three uh, was the uh, so the so the opening one the the opening talk was transform your technical documentation into a content marketing engine this one was <laughs> kind of strange it had one very actionable thing in it i found and then the rest of it was just kind of like not very useful <laughs> <laughs> basically so so Natalie Luneva was her name, and she she started the the talk with, "Okay, everybody, open up your Google Analytics and look at the top pages that you that are receiving traffic." And this this was kind of um, pointed at technical products with API documentation, that sort of thing. And and she said, "You know, if your technical documentation is receiving a lot of hits, then you need to have." big calls to action in your technical documentation to sign up. Because if you're solving a problem and someone is visiting you for an unrelated problem or a somewhat related problem, have a call to action. And it's like, that's very true. Probably a lot of people don't think about how to add CTAs to their technical documentation. Very cool. Not relevant to me, but cool. And then the rest of it, 
I don't even remember because it just was so like it was a little bit too much and didn't apply. And I, I yeah, it, 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 she lost me basically. She started talking no, about I, SEO. I don't know. <laughs> I I like SEO and but yeah, the problem is I I don't have any technical documentation, but. So yeah, so a lot of it like was almost hands-on, like she was trying to get people to do it live. Like so I, I wasn't doing any of that because well first of all I don't have Google Analytics. Yeah. So so I wasn't doing it. But but at least I could make abstraction of it and see how like okay, right, like my, my product is solving problems. And often users ask me, like, you know, like uh do you you know, did you solve the Airtable rich text to Webflow HTML field problem? Mm-hmm. Right. It's like so. Each time I'm answering, yeah, like I've I've solved that. Like I ge- I generate the HTML from the rich text. But yeah, I was there. Okay, I need to document this and yeah, have a documentation section and put all that publicly. Right. And then yeah, do all everything she was saying. Like, well, first of all, make sure that you have analytics tracking those pages. Mm-hmm. And then have a call to action. So it was, it was actually a lot more actionable than, than the previous day's talk. Yeah. I, it gave yeah, me lots of ideas, like about, yeah, documentation or knowledge base or, or like maybe even a frequently asked questions. Um, and then, yeah. So yeah, I, 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 the, yeah, I basically took away the one big CTA thing and then everything else just kind of got lost on me. So. I kind of checked out at that point. Yeah. No, that's it. I mean, it, this doesn't apply at all to your business. Um, and then building your – so the next uh, talk was building your early stage SaaS for the future with David Newell. Um, uh, and then at the same time, there was a meeting um, at the Beach Club. We met <laughs> the uh, <laughs> International SaaS Exchange at the Beach Club um, and – yeah, so what did you attend? Did you stay for the... Yeah, I, no, I skipped the talk. You skipped the talk? Okay. <laughs> I went to the beach. <laughs> How was that? I went to the talk. Oh, really? Okay, good. Because because I knew they were recorded. I was like, I'm just going to skip this one mm. and I'm going to go hang out with people and I'll, if you know, and then I'll go try to find the, the recording. Yeah. So yeah, no, I went, went to the beach, met lots of, lots of really interesting people. Mm. One thing was is that I ran into a lot of podcasters. Oh right, <laughs> yeah. So that that wasn't I wasn't really expecting that. I thought we'd all be talking about SaaS, but no, I ran into a lot of podcasters. So hmm. yeah, we have lot, lots of talks about that. Yeah, like I I ran into the slow and steady podcasters. And on day two, there was a like a official slash unofficial uh, meetup for the slow and steady podcast at the beach. Uh, and I got to meet uh, Brian Ria and Benedict and like Rob was there and we were chatting about a few things and like, yeah, learning about, there was a bunch of people there that were, yeah, a few podcasters. Um, yeah. A few people just kind of out there. It, I don't know. It was, it was just a nice time. It was nice to be able to chat. Yeah. At the international SAS exchange, I think I spoke, uh, I, remember, I don't remember her name now, but UI breakfast. Oh, UI breakfast is the podcast. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I know the podcast. I don't, uh, I'm not subscribed to it, but I definitely know it. Yeah. She's been interviewed on <sighs> Jane. Yeah. Jane Portman. Yes. She's a co-founder of user, of user list. list. Yes, 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 yes. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was later that day to talk with the slow and steady podcast meetup. Yeah. That was, I think that was on day two. Oh, okay. I thought it, I thought it was on that day. 
Yeah, because we finished the um, <clears throat> after the group photo, we went out to the beach, chilled on the beach. Yeah, yeah, no, that was fun. We 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 managed to corner Rob, so like <laughs> in Gather Town, like you can't walk through people. Yeah. So if if you're surrounded by eight people, like you you just you can't leave. Yeah. <laughs> so we had him cornered. We could, <laughs> and uh, it was like me, Rob, um, Benedict, uh, Brian. So mm. it, it was it was fun. Yeah, I, I ran into Rob really early on day three. Um, so one of the things about the whole Gather Town conference was Xander built in a gigantic like Easter egg hunt, basically, which was unbelievably fun. I spent way too much time doing that. <laughs> so you would get because when you sign up for microconf there were three levels so you could one was just the video feeds another was access to the platform you could walk around go to the lectures and talk to people and then the last one was actually being signed up for the challenges and so there would be clues and things to explore and puzzles like all sorts of interesting things so i would go to the i would show up early and try to do a bunch of the puzzles and then get stuck and then go to all the lectures and then afterwards i would try to solve more easter eggs and catch up with people um and I ran into Rob early on day three and I was chatting with him a little bit about how fun all the Easter eggs were. And I was like trying to come up with like something fun to talk about or like an intelligent question. I ended up talking to him about the weather, which sucks. <laughs> like <laughs> such a Canadian, Canadian thing to do. God damn it. <laughs> Next time. Yeah. When I ran into him, I was, I, I told him how it's from reading his book, Start Small, Stay Small. Mm -hmm. That after reading it is when I decided to quit my job and to, to try this, this entrepreneur journey mm. full time. And uh, he said, oh, I should really add a disclaimer to the book. <laughs> <laughs> Don't quit your job. <laughs> yeah, he's funny. Yeah, but no regrets. Yeah, no, same, same, same. Um, yeah, so then there was the chat about some of the oh yeah then it was the micro so yeah the, the, so then there was the 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 two hangout spaces the two uh pods so one was chat about some of the most successful strat uh, marketing strategies you've seen and then the other one was share three tips you've learned during your microconf experience i went to the marketing strategies one and it was the same sort of thing of everybody's waiting for <laughs> for the favorite <laughs> strategies it's funny eh? these these micro spaces, mm. trademark pending, like they, it seems like they were, they were the most awkward ones. Yeah. But but if you just hung out in the hallways or or, or their library or any of the places where you just run out, you would there would be a bunch of people just that organically just gathered in one spot on the map, but then you join that, and those conversations were great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and they were always around one theme, but it seemed like because the theme just came up organically, mm. like those those conversations were great. Yeah, but when they were put on the schedule <laughs> into a designated area, it seems like everyone was like, um, "Yeah, <laughs> I have nothing to add. I'm just here to learn." Yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah, like I, I don't know anything about marketing. I can't. <laughs> I can't help. <laughs> I can't contribute to this conversation. <laughs> this is why we're here. Yeah. Because, yeah, I think yeah. it'd be kind of interesting to have more, um, well, like, it, kind of flipping that on its head. Like, how could those have been more successful? I mean, maybe if there were more marketers there to kind of lead a discussion or right. maybe decompose something or, like, I, I'm just, I'm decompose something, like, present 
a strategy and then kind of break it down into interesting pieces or notable tidbits or that kind of thing. Um, I definitely ran into a lot of people who were like, I'm here to try to figure out how to market and they're already doing some PPC. Maybe they're doing some Facebook group marketing, like just kind of general stuff. Um, and they're looking for more actionable, actionable things in niches. Um, so I don't know how actionable it was for them, but yeah, I, w- I just want to talk to more marketers. I need friends who are marketers. Well, you should definitely join Swipe Files. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's finish this up. And then I want to hear about your adventures <laughs> with Swipe Files. Um, okay. So the last uh, talk that I enjoyed the most was Become the Wise Advisor with Mike Ritchie, um, the founder of Sequel. And I was not expecting that one to be good. And it turned out to be super actionable. Yeah. So he was really talking about Q&A platforms like Quora and how to use those platforms to drive traffic to your site. And that was super actionable. Wow. He really, he gave me a lot to chew on there. Um, so he kind of, so he, so SeekWell is a really interesting product. I sent it to my wife. I think that's something that she might actually use. But like, it, you can kind of turn any website into a SQL database and be able to run queries against it and that sort of thing. So whenever, so if you think about like what that product is doing, finding anybody who's asking questions about how do I pull data from a Google sheet and try to do something? Because their whole, his product is doing a lot, but it's also how can I pull data from a Google sheet and run a query on it to get some result or pipe that result into something else or, you know, there's anything around dealing with data and where various places it comes from. And what he was doing was going into Quora and finding people who were asking questions about how to get data out of Google Sheets in a SQL-like format, SQL-like format. And he would reply answering their question because SQL had already done it. So he would reply and say, oh, you know, oh, you can actually do something like X and Y. You should look at this library or whatever, or we're already solving this problem in such a such a way and we provide this function. And he went off. Like he gave all sorts of interesting <laughs> questions. Because like one of the one of the most interesting questions that the, the the audience asked was, you know, on Quora, for example, there's probably 50 duplicate questions. Like how do you pick which ones you should answer? Or like do you just go in and like turn the crank and answer 50 questions? And he really related the problem back to the long tail keywords that he was trying to match. So he would go in and build long tail keyword lists of it's like, how do I extract or like every permutation of extract and Google sheets and just like different synonyms and whatever's to try to like create these long tail lists. And then he would try to figure out how can I attack each of these long tail lists by answering questions on Quora that show up when these questions are asked. So really cool strategy. Like that was very actionable. And he gave tons of little examples like this. Super cool. Super, super cool. Yeah. He would construct these Google queries to like, to also find, like, to find the, like the, the top rating, the top ranked Quora questions that show up in Google results. Yeah. It's like, those are the ones that, you, that I need to have my comment in. Exactly, yeah, because they're the ones that Google's already indexed. They're already sending traffic there. You just want to exactly. latch onto those and be in it and try to get yourself to be a top answer there. Yeah, really clever. I've definitely added it to my list of to dos. Yeah, to try to because it, it sounds a lot like what I'm doing in the Webflow forums, but I didn't. I never. I never. I'd even thought of 
checking out Quora. Mm. And I also didn't know that you, you can just create an account and start answering questions right away. Like I thought it'd be like, uh, you know, you, you have to warm up your account first. Mm. Or like in a lot of communities, you create an account and then they make you like, oh, you have to accumulate so many points before you can post a link mm-hmm. or th- this many points before you can, I don't know, embed a YouTube video. Right. And as for Quora, it seems like, nope, like anybody can sign up and start commenting right away and we'll let the voting decide what's spam and what's useful. Yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. Super. super. Uh, yeah. So had a great time with that. Uh, took lots of notes. I, I, for me, that was the most actionable of, of all of them. Um, okay. Of, yeah, of just ideas for things. Cause like I'm already doing, you know, I've spent a lot of time looking at search volumes for F bars and it's not super high, but I'm sure there's a lot of long tail keywords that I can't find or I need to do some research into how to find them because yeah, it's super interesting to think about how much, how much is out there and how much is actually an untapped market, so to speak. Yeah. Cause I've, I'm doing like, I've been doing similar to you. Like there's a lot of expat groups that I'm in and just kind of going in and posting and saying, whenever somebody has questions about F bars or that sort of thing, going in and saying, okay, you know, here's some pre-computed answers of, you know, oh, you need to do past years, you need exchange rates, you need X and Y and kind of answering their question and then saying, or, you know, you can, you can pay me to do it. You can use my solution. Um, right. But the problem with groups is that that's, that's part of the deep web. Like it's not crawled by Google. Yeah. They're all permission. You have to ask for permission. They're not open. Yeah. yeah. But Quora or the Webflow forums, those are, those are public pages that are crawled by Google. Yeah. So when you answer something, it's, it's there forever and it's backlinks to your site. Yeah. And- so yeah. Uh, he also brought up running. He ran ads on Quora, didn't he? Was he the one? I don't remember that part. Well, maybe it was somebody else I was thinking of, but. Somebody was running ads on Quora and it was like a total bust. <laughs> it didn't work at all. But I mean, that, you know, this is totally anecdotal of, of somebody. Like maybe they just a bit, did a bad job. I have no idea. Yeah. So that was kind of, that was the last um, thing for the day, the last presentation. And awesome high note to end on. I loved that one. That was super good. I don't know. Did you come away with anything else from there? Like from that talk? Yeah. No, no, that's, um, that sums it up. Mm. Yeah. So all in all, had a great time. One thing that I was a little, I would have liked more of is, I mean, well, the cool thing, just like you say, like the hallway track was really nice and everybody was really interested in hanging around. So it wasn't just like, oh, talks are done. You know, I'm done for the day. Everybody wanted to hang out and, and find things to do, which was cool. Um, I would probably say like, I think there could have been another round of speakers. Like maybe they could have been more, the, 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 the event could have taken up more of the day. Like, I don't even mind the pre-recorded ones, but I don't know. I, I think we could have gotten a little bit more. I, like, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I have the time to, to spend because I'm working full-time on this, but I wouldn't have minded at all having more speakers. And No, actually, I was very content with the with the amount that there was. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, I, I really, the, the thing that I loved the most was meeting people in the hallway. Yeah. Like, that was really where I had the best conversations. I, agree. Uh, I met, I've made new contacts <laughs> the very first person like on day one or like half an hour before the event starts i just logged in because i had never used gather down so i had no idea what to expect like i didn't want to be like past 11 o'clock and like oh my god i still can't get this thing to work yeah. <laughs> so i just you know i create my account log in 
And then the very first person I meet is also a Webflow plugin entrepreneur. That's so funny. <laughs> it was like, whoa. And so then we start complaining about the API. <laughs> it was it was great. That's awesome. Did you meet many people trying to do Webflow stuff? Nope. That was the only person. Okay. But yeah, but but everyone had like an interesting product they were working on. Mm. And it was it was great. Yeah. Like it and I mean, it, of course, it happens at every conference where you you meet someone that's really just there to like to to do lead generation. Yeah. But there were very few people that I really felt that that's what they were doing. Yeah, I don't even know that I ran into one person that was trying to do lead gen. Yeah, like I might have ran into one or two. Okay. And, and it wasn't too aggressive. It wasn't yeah. like you know, give me your email. <laughs> Like it was, but you know, it was talking a lot about their features and benefits and mm. a little bit too much. Yeah. You know, and as for me, like I knew that my product is so niche, like <laughs> I'm not even going to try to recruit <laughs> anyone, right? Like I would just start, do you even know what Webflow is? <laughs> it's, it's so funny you bring that up because like we, I, because we're talking about Webflow all the time. So in my mind, I'm just like, Oh yeah, for sure. Like in our little pond, I'm like, oh yeah, Webflow is like a huge part of this pond. Like yeah. I'm, I'm living it, I'm breathing it through you. And then to go to a conference and have somebody be like, "What's Webflow?" <laughs> just like exactly what? I don't. <laughs> what rock are you living under? It's just like, oh yeah, right. Actually, if you go out and talk to people, yeah, and I'm sure a lot of people were like, "Oh my god, like why, why are you doing this? Like why are you, you know, like you know." So yeah, a lot of people had talks about the the, the dangers of building on top of someone else's platform. Mm-hmm. So that's some some very interesting talks. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of like some interesting hallway tracks that I ran into because there were so like people in the hallway that is, and just yeah, really interesting. Like I, I think it was just doing product discovery. Like people are working on such interesting things. I yeah, it was really cool to hear people give their yeah. pitch and talk about what's working and what's not. Yeah, and of course, I met a lot of people that are building something without talking to customers. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I've been there, done that. Currently doing that. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I'm not talking to nobody. I'm just not talking to most. Right. But yeah, no. But no uh, but like, you just want to shake them and go talk to your customer. <laughs> but And then I also found people that are, are married to their solution. Mm. Yeah, like you start brainstorming, okay, yeah, but what about this instead? And it's like, no, 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 they're married to their solution, even though they're not talking to customers. It's like, no, 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 this is a great idea. Like, I'm, It's like, yeah, I know, I, I've been there, I've done it. <laughs> I, I won't tell you how it ended. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, in all, I'm very pleased. I'm excited for the next one. Hopefully it'll be in person and I'm making enough money that I can go to it. Be very nice yeah. to meet some of these people. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's the cost is why I've never been to MicroConf because, mm. you know, I've been listening to startups to, for the rest of us for over 10 years. Wow. So I've, I've known about it this whole time, but every year, like I'd, I'd look at it and go, Ugh, you know, the flying down to Vegas or Minneapolis or, or Europe, mm. you know, like it's, it's really hard to justify that. You know, as a business expense. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess that's why you, you say you go there to, for lead generation. Yeah. <laughs> Cause then you can expense it. Yeah. But in my case, I was like, no, there's no way. Like I'm, I'm going to go there and generate business. But 
but now I see it more as no, it's an opportunity to to, to make connections, like to to make friends. Totally. So circling back to swipe files and meeting more marketers, <laughs> have you been enjoying your time in the swipe files community? Yeah, and uh, and I'm not even using it to its full potential. Okay, like I'm not very active in, in the forums, uh, but this week, like every Thursday. Corey has this uh, Think Tank Thursday mm-hmm. where one business basically describes their business like in full detail, like what's the market, what's uh, what's your positioning, what's your messaging, what are the products, mm-hmm. and what channels you're using to, to market. Right. So just doing that exercise of like writing all that was super helpful. Oh, that's great. <laughs> like, because it, it forces you to like think about it, like, you know, as a, as a technical founder, either positioning was that. <laughs> <laughs> so then, you know, you, you go research it or, or you see all the other examples of think tank Thursdays that have been done mm-hmm. and you get to see, oh, okay, that's what, that's what positioning means for that business. Mm-hmm. So just doing the exercise itself was super useful. But then like for like the, the next days, like you have marketers like commenting, they're giving you tips or feedback or recommendations advice it's it's super they're super helpful okay so if you want to if you want to hang out with marketers it's definitely the place to be okay yeah maybe all spring and it's it's dirt cheap it's ridiculous okay <laughs> i think it, i think it's like 99 bucks for the year okay cool yeah that's pretty cheap yeah no it's it's ridiculous okay and uh and he's, he's also organizing like these weekly uh, events and last week, there was a really interesting one called How to Run a Jobs-to-be-done interview. Oh. I don't know if you're familiar with Jobs-to-be-done. Yeah. It's- so, I have I know there's like a whole framework and book and series around it. Um, yeah, I, I've, exactly. I've never pursued it, but it sounds incredibly useful. Yeah. So, here, like they, they actually did a mock interview oh, wow. of a swap file member as if Corey had hired them to do a Jobs-to-be-done interview. Oh, wow. So like so here we got to see an, an actual concrete example like what did it look like to to interview someone and it was yeah it was so actionable oh, so man. like I took down so many notes okay. and, and I actually did one this morning oh wow yeah <laughs> yeah no it was it was it was a great great little workshop very actionable okay and already uh, getting results amazing okay cool all right I think I'll pull the trigger on that then yeah I yeah I. And uh, I think the author of the mom test is doing an event. I think at the end of said at, at the end of April. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rob Fitz, Rob Fitzpatrick. I think. Yeah, something like that. Cool. So yeah, if you want to be at that event, you should join soon. Yeah, I will. Yeah, I, uh, I I've been listening to the Software Social podcast. I, yeah, me too. Yeah. Did you listen to the episode where Michelle interviews one of uh, Colleen's users? No. Oh, baby. I think I'm yeah. I think I'm behind on on all my podcasts. I'm at least two episodes behind for each one of them. Yeah, on that one, that was two weeks ago. Uh, so Michelle Hansen, one of the hosts, um, she runs uh, Geocodio with her husband, and she's very, very into user interviews. And I I I followed her on Twitter, and she started a mailing list or a newsletter called Deploying Empathy or Deploy Empathy. And it's really good. It's one of the only newsletters that I read. I get I, I read every single one of them. 
And she had an episode two weeks ago, or three weeks ago, where she interviewed one of her co-host, Colleen's um, customers. Uh, Colleen is starting a, a simple file upload for Heroku as a product. And it was really interesting to hear her just non-emotionally ask questions, leaving lots of silence, giving the person lots of um, room to respond and think about what the what they're doing and why. And yeah, it was really, really cool. And then the next yeah. episode is, so apparently Colleen was in that call, but on mute. And <laughs> uh, the, the follow-up is them discussing how the interview went and some of the tactics that she used and that kind of thing. Very interesting. Very cool. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Yeah. So this kind of like mock interview is right up my alley of things I'd like to like to see. Yeah, because this is exactly what they did. Like, you know, Corey was on mute listening to the whole thing. Sometimes piping in in the chat room. Like, (laughs) you can be brutally honest. Okay. But uh, yeah, like it was so fluid the conversation. Like, and it was really yeah, mostly mostly the interviewee talking. Mm -hmm. So the interviewer was not saying much. And and it never felt like she was ever guiding the conversation towards something. Okay. But but at the end, like she shared with us what were the questions that she was trying to get answers for. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. This is worth. Yeah. That's worth a hundred dollars on its own. <laughs> exactly. Okay. It's funny. I I I went through for my consulting business. I went through an accelerator. Well, not accelerator. Like an incubator here in Montreal, and. We got to meet some sales professionals and that sort of thing. Cause I'm, I'm very interested in sales and like how that works, how to talk to somebody and really understand that this is a fit for both of you. And I was asking people like, I'm looking for, I would love a case study with like real, like videotaped sessions of people sell, of someone selling and what they're doing and, and then hearing commentary, watch it and then see commentary on like that would be so incredibly valuable and it just doesn't exist. I just can't find it or the guys or really? the, the, and maybe they, I'm, I'm just at this point, I'm trying to explain why this material doesn't exist, but man, that would be helpful. Holy crap. Like just to see it, to see it happening around you would be really interesting. Right. Yeah. It's like, it's like, Watching someone code live on Twitch, yeah, like they they talk through their their thoughts while doing it, mm-hmm. but you can't do that when you're selling. No, <laughs> yeah. so you would have to do it as a as a commentary track afterwards. Exactly, yeah, because it'd be really interesting to have somebody be like, "Okay, it's all recorded," and then to hear to to be able to pause it and say, "Okay, so at this point, they just said this, and what this sounds like is an objection. They're beginning an objection. So what I, you know, I have my objection handled responses here. So I'm just going to get, I'm going to come in and start talking about this thing right away, so that they don't ramp up to this objection or something like that. Like, I mean, maybe oh God. maybe it's less than that, or I, I say less than that. Maybe it's less complex than that, or natural salespeople do it automatically. But God, that'd be so helpful." Shut up and take my money. No, right? Like, jeez. <laughs> oh, so yeah, I, it, I I'm very interested in any kind of mock mock interview or examples that sort of thing. I think that's really interesting because I've heard of well, I, I've heard of sales coaches where people will record their sales like calls they have with their clients and then they'll send that to their sales coaches and their coaches will go over it with them and say, oh, you know, what were you thinking about or whatever. But yeah, like seeing it in mock would be really. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's, I don't actually do sales, but definitely the customer interviews are very interesting. Absolutely. 
<clears throat> I've only done one so far this morning. And uh, yeah, like I, I can pull quotes from exactly what she said and it would make amazing copy for my landing page. <laughs> like it was just like, yeah, like the words she was using, I was like, oh my God, like that's, <laughs> I would have never have described the problem that way, but this this resonates with me, you know, and I'm not even the target audience. Yeah. Was that uh, a current customer that you were interviewing, a potential customer? A uh, potential customer. Okay. Yeah. I, like I had seen her on Twitter a few times mm-hmm. complaining about trying to sync Airtable to Webflow. Yeah. And I had piped in a few times and, you know, like I never went further. I never saw her sign up. So after seeing this, this talk about interviewing customers, like I, I just DM'd her on Twitter and said, you know, like, Hey, did you get a chance to try out Power Importer? So then we started chatting. And then I said, I'd love to, I'd love to, to chat on the phone about what you're working on. And, uh, and one of the other things she mentioned. Mm. And I, and I said, and this is not a sales call, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So like, it's not a sales call. I'm just trying to learn more about the, about people building things yeah. with no code. Sure. So yeah, so I, I so then we schedule it for this morning, and we and yeah, like it was. I still, I mean, I can, I definitely see how practice would be would be good yeah. to practice because it's definitely a skill. Yeah. And yeah, I'm not very good at it, <laughs> but you know, like it was very. It was it was good to know like okay you're not selling so or you're not trying to solve their problem so if she says oh like how do I get to, you know, this this doesn't work in Integromat like I'm not trying to like say oh well it would work in Power Importer mm. like I get dig deeper you know so like it's like well, how did you try to do it and or like why did you think you could do it in Integromat or right. <laughs> you just like get her to talk more about all those problems mm. and in the end like she was convincing yourself like that maybe she should just switch to power and border right because like she was describing how frustrating it was how much of a pain in it was to set up an integromat and how the, the customer service absolutely sucks Ooh. like it, so it was like yes yeah, valuable it's like, just a gold mine all this information nice. there. wow like yeah <laughs> And I, you know, I, f- I found out how she heard about Power Importer. Why didn't she pick it? Like, it's all like really, really useful information. That's very interesting. Yeah. Like how people find you. Yeah. Was it SEO? <laughs> no, actually it was word of mouth. Oh, wow. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> people can't stop yeah. talking about you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> yeah. I think I'll give swipe, the swipe files community a shot. I could definitely yeah, use. I plan on I plan on being more active. Okay. Like I know so much value to get from it, mm-hmm. and I'm just not I'm not very active in the community. But I mean, obviously, because I don't feel like I have anything t- to share. Like like I'm the least qualified marketer there. <laughs> Until I join. <laughs> <laughs> but like I I plan on posting like so right now all the feedback I got from my think tank Thursday was all about. The landing page, like you know, like I, I said, I'm having a hard time with the messaging. I'm not even sure what my positioning is. So, like, so I've done lots of thinking of that since then, just after reading all the feedback. So, I, I will post again once I have my landing pages rewritten, right? Just to, to first of all thank them, like, hey, this is what I, this is what I did. Thanks to all the feedback. What do you think? Do you have more ideas? Maybe this is a dumb question, but. What what is your positioning, or like how do you position yourself 
or, or how were you doing it before? And once you've gone through this exercise, how has your positioning changed? I think I need to put more emphasis on that it's an alternative to Zapier and Integromat. Okay. Like that was already sort of my positioning, but I need to explain, I need to show how different it is. Like, mm. That's the alternative. Either you, that's what you're using now or that's what you've been told to, to try to use. Right. Here's how Power Importer is different. Yeah, really selling yourself as the different the different solution. Yeah. And then that drives all the messaging after that. It's like, how is it different? Well, you know, well, first of all, our technical support doesn't suck. <laughs> right. Okay. And then all the things that are such a pain to set up yourself, like, well, it just works out of the box. I see. This, this thing I'm still struggling with is is the the root landing page that I have for the website. Mm-hmm. It's still not clear to me what do I put there. Because right, like right now, I have two products, so two different landing pages, one for each product. That copy is easy to write because it's solving a problem. So I just have to describe the problem, describe the benefits of using my product instead. Right. And I can have quotes from people using it and, and uh, logos of companies using it. You know, it's that's all easy. Right. But it's the generic landing page where you just go to the naked domain. You just go to powerimporter.com. What do I write there? Yeah. Right now, I'm sort of saying it's like a suite of pre-made workflows. And it's just a bunch of, whole bunch of jargon. Yeah. It doesn't say anything. Like, yeah, I see what you mean. And it's it, and it's hard for me to say this is like an a better alternative than Zapier and Integromat because one of my products really isn't like one of my products is this CSV update, which is which is a com- competition to Webflow's native. CSV import, mm-hmm. but I think it, it doesn't either. I just redo the landing page to to also pretty much sell the Airtable sync feature because I, you know, like wherever I distribute a link to my website, like I, I get to pick which link I share. So when I'm solving people's CSV import problems, then I'm just sharing the CSV pro- product. Mm-hmm. I see what you mean. But it's like in your Twitter bio, right? Usually you just want a short link. So in that case, I just want to put powerimporter.com. Mm-hmm. But really, what I want to sell is the Airtable sync feature. Yeah. It's like, so I could do I could do that now. It doesn't solve the problem long term because when I add a third product and a fourth product, well, then I do have to find a way to describe them all on one page. Right. And did you bring this up as a potential problem in your swipe files post? Yeah. Okay. And what kind of feedback did you get? Like, this is very interesting. Yeah, no, it seemed like like no one really addressed that problem. Okay. Except I think someone was basically saying how, like, the links, I should really be driving traffic to the Airtable sync feature. Okay. Like, that's really, that's really the main product. And mm-hmm. So, like, that's probably what the homepage should be. But they were talking more like, yeah, in your Twitter bio, that's that's what link you should put right now. Mm-hmm. Drive traffic to that page. Right. And if I do a product hunt, I mean, that's the page I'm going to also launch. It's going to be for that one product. Right. Do you have many customers that are doing CSV upload as well? Like that are using both? Or- uh, well, I'm just, I'm wondering, like, would it make sense to have Power Importer really be the Airtable sync and have the CSV. Like, I was thinking, like, could you spin the CSV out into the CSV import into its own product? Like, are there people that are doing with, with like, a different name and a different domain? Um, yeah. 
Um, I mean, I do have some customers that are using both okay. like the, for two different sites. Right. So it, it makes sense that it's all together. So then they only have to enter their API keys once. Yeah. And surprisingly, I have a lot of CSV customers. It, it's because it, it solves a real problem. Look, so there's a lot of customers. They, they, they sign up for it and they, they pay every month. They keep using it. Okay. So, cause otherwise, yeah, otherwise I would get rid of it. Right. Because I think long term, I think Webflow will eventually fix their import and my product will be obsolete. Okay. So that's why I don't want to invest too much into it. Mm. But for the time being, like it's solving a problem and, and lots of people are signing up for it. So, yeah. Okay. So I think that's why I would, I would keep it under the same umbrella. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I was just playing the devil's advocate of what happens if you ripped it out? Like what, what would happen to your product? What would happen to your user base? It would definitely make it easier to market because now you have like a core problem that you're solving, like Airtable to yeah. upload. Um, no, I agree that for that, it'd be simpler. But at the same time, like I would have to have two brands to manage. Yeah. And yeah. No, thanks. Yeah, exactly. And actually, you know, like I have plenty of people that have signed up to use the Airtable sync, but then they realize, oh, but you know what? Like it's going to take me forever to migrate my data to Airtable. Mm-hmm. So I'll just use a CSV in the meanwhile. Okay. So they end up using the second product sure. or vice versa. Like they, they show up with a CSV and then they go, oh, but wait, this makes a lot more sense if I put everything in Airtable. Like then they will manage all the reference fields between the tables. Right. Interesting. So it's like, it seems like I have to live with it. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're together now. Yeah. But like in the short term, you know, it, it could simply be that the, when you, when you enter the landing page, I could simply just do a redirect to the Airtable page. Mm-hmm. Like just keep it simple. Like there, there is no homepage. You, if you go to powerimporter.com, it redirects to the Airtable sync page. Mm-hmm. That's the product. Yeah. And when I have a third product or a fourth product, then I'll, then I'll tackle that problem. Yeah. It'd be interesting to think about. Yeah. Like I'm trying to think about any company that could have possibly have dealt with this problem in the past or, or if this problem had a name. Yeah. What's it? I mean, think of Microsoft, right? Mm. If you go to Microsoft.com, what do you get? That's a good I mean, question. It's not a, <laughs> it's not a good example because everyone knows what Microsoft is, yeah. but it's a concrete example. Like if you go to, Microsoft.com, like what's there? Mm. Are they talking about Windows? Are they talking about Office? Are they talking about Visual Basic? Mm. Or like Stripe, for example. Like we say payments, yeah. but they handle so much stuff. Yeah, but yeah, no, that's a good point. On the, on the, yeah, on their landing page, they seem to try to cover everything that they do. Yeah, they kind of have this like payments umbrella. But like so much goes into that domain from fraud yeah. to processing. I mean, that's sort of what I have now. It's like my, I think my headline is, is you know, easily manage your Webflow CMS. Mm. And then I list, uh, then I, I say that there's two different products and there's more to come. Mm. But I think I just, yeah, maybe I just need to do that, but a longer page, like have whole sections where I'm talking about their table product, a whole section talking about the CSV. Right. Yeah. It's a tricky damn problem. Yeah, I mean, JetBoost sort of has this problem too. Like Chris has several, he calls them boosters. Okay. That's, that's actually, I wish I had an easy word to use for all my, I call them workflows, but I don't think that, I don't think people get it. Mm. But I don't want to call them automations because the CSV one is not an automation. Yeah. So I don't know what to call them. I like, I like how he's able to just call them all boosters. Yeah. 
Yeah, it'd be nice to have a <laughs> to have a noun, your very own noun. Yeah, exactly. I'll start. This. But yeah, he has the same problem where he, you know, he has like I think four of them or five of them. Okay. So if you land on the Jet Boost homepage, what do you see? That's a good question. Eh? Your no code Webflow sidekick. That's hilarious. I was <laughs> just yesterday. I was thinking I should use the word psychic. <laughs> I didn't even notice that that's what he uses. So yeah, I mean that's it. Like his page. I guess listeners are not seeing what we're yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you you get on the you know the main headline is what you said. No, no code Webflow psychic. Mm-hmm. But then he has sections for like the real time search and the section for the dynamic filters. Yeah, and the section for the. the the favorite items or wish list. Yeah, yeah. His H two immediately lists examples of yeah of some of the problems that he solves. Yeah, I guess that's it. That'd be one way. And a lot of them are saying how I should have the product above the fold. In this case, JetBoost doesn't, but uh, they were all recommending that I should. Yeah, the woes of the marketer. Yeah, I mean, seriously, I'm I'm really stuck on this copywriting for all this. I really wish I could just hire someone to do it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's really it for me for the week. I, my week was really just taken up with microconf and then wrapping up for the trip back to Montreal on Friday. So yeah, me too. Like these, all these events that I went to this week, like I haven't, I didn't get much work done. Mm. Just a bit of customer support and copywriting. <laughs> yeah, I think for this coming week, uh, I'm just going to let my ads run, try to do some more cold calls. I've made a little bit of headway on my consulting. I met with uh, another consultant and we're we're making way on getting everything submitted. So that's great um, for the shred stuff. I've finished the 2019 portion. So I'm working on the 2020. So I probably have about probably six hours of interviews that I need to do with developers to understand what they were doing. And then I'll be able to finish up the 2020, which is good. And then from there, uh, yeah, I'm right now I'm just like doing the Facebook ad thing. I'm going to try some Google ads and I haven't spoken to any FBAR customers in a while. Like it's been a couple weeks now that I haven't spoken to accountants or people. Um, I've been posting in Facebook groups and that sort of thing to like, you know, kind of give people some content to chew on. But, um, I really, it's been a long time since I, it's been too long since I've spoken to an accountant. So I really got to get somebody on the phone. Um, so yeah, I've just got a couple of experiments out there, just seeing if I can get some clicks for a reasonable price and go from there. So, so have you, have you got any feedback so far from these campaigns? Not, uh, not enough. No. Okay. So like, are you getting any impressions? Or- yeah, I'm getting some impressions. I don't have any clicks yet. Uh, I'm not okay. sure about like one of the things that Facebook tells me. So it tells me my total addressable audience and it's big, like, you know, it's in the hundreds of thousands. Um, oh, okay. But my reach is not very good. And I don't know if that's because of the budget I have set or not, but it, I mean, it must be the budget. Otherwise, yeah. I, yeah. So I don't know. Um, so I, I, I need to set a budget for myself that's reasonable for reasonable results, but I don't know. I mean, now is not the time to be cheap. Like I should set a reasonable budget, not something like, oh, I'm going to spend $50 and hope that I get a million clicks. Like that's a ridiculous expectation. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, because your goal is not to, your goal is to validate. Yes. To, to get people in to, so you can talk to them, even if it's not profitable to, yeah. to pay whatever 
50 bucks a day or 100 bucks a day. Yeah. So I need to spend some money and gather some real data because, yeah, I mean, at least Facebook is telling me that the audience is there. So <laughs> hopefully that's the case. Well, that's, yeah, that's good. It's good that you can target them. Yeah. Yeah. So how are you going to spend your week? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure yet. I mean, we're, we're running pretty long now, okay. so maybe we'll talk about it next week. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it next week. <laughs> Sounds good. Cool. All right. Have a good one. I'll see you next week. Yeah. Thanks. You too. Right.